Welcome. We have lured the magician back. Yes, Patrick Coffin is here tonight with us to do some more mind tricks and help us think about storytelling. And uh, we may have some surprises for him. Welcome to the Mosaic Arc. We're here! <laughs> well, guess what? Surprise! It's not kilt. Yes. So, I, it, luring Patrick here for <laughs> I'm a... Sorry. For a very special, I was going to say Halloween Eve, but it's not. It's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Eve. Kilts, of course, because down there in the Down Under, it's summer, has gone walkabout on mm -hmm. us, which means that now... Casey can be on camera with us and ask Patrick, who is has been lured here into our on our to our den of magic and mystery, some Catholic questions. So welcome both of you. <laughs> Thank you. Good to be lured. <laughs> I feel like I'm part of fishing tackle equipment somewhere on a on a uh, a quiet lake. Well, this fits our aquatic theme, right? It's like we're on an ark and we're sailing around in the flood of modernity hoping for the dove to f go out and find some branches of trees and and hope you know about mm -hmm. hope right well uh through bitter experience uh Chesterton said something like unless this unless your circumstances are hopeless uh hope doesn't have any meaning i i that just solved our entire stream okay good <laughs> <laughs> <Really good>. <laughs> No, because so I like I Patrick, I, I will tell you, you're you're in for a ride because both Casey and I have watched a lot of you. Um <laughs> and and she and she she has she has backstory on when you were in a previous uh media incarnation, right? So, so I, she may mm -hmm. she may dredge up questions from the answers. Um oh, I, she was gonna go all the way back to tenth grade math class with like video <laughs> We might, we might, we, we, we don't know where we're going. Right. Um, okay, but, sure. but, but so just to, just to fill you in a little bit on the, on our backstory. So the, the mosaic arc started what 68 episodes ago. We've, we've done pretty well. We only do it weekly. So that that's shows some stamina, stamina on our part. And our mm -hmm. idea was it's the mosaic because that's a McLuhan reference to the way we exist in this digital electronic 
environment that everything is pieces and it's kind of a rave and we're sailing around in the internet collecting fragments of meaning right so there, there's that one level of mosaic but then of course there's the second level of mosaic which is moses <laughs> um from from the scriptures who is commanded by god to make an ark for carrying the covenant the ta table tablets of the covenant and then there's the second layer of the noah the noah's ark which is sailing around on the on the floods and then the third layer wait i've lost how many layers how many layers is that you guys have to keep count because I can't. Uh, I <laughs> the true ark, which is our lady, right? The 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 Moses's ark in in reality is of course the the pattern for what it means for our lady to have born Christ. All of that's embedded in our in our title. And we and we almost never completely explain that. We just expect people to be mystified. <laughs> Well, there's uh, maybe this is an interesting starting point. Uh, I learned it's not something I studied for, uh, except for watching people in the mentalism community and people who perform magic, whether close up or stage, that you can embed a lot in a storyline as you as a way of verbally misdirecting the audience. Now, m one of my teachers is the late great uh, Tommy Wonder. He was from the Netherlands, absolute uh, master. He created effects, he created magic equipment, and he was a wonderful performer and teacher. And he said to magicians and mentalists, don't call it misdirection. Mm. That's make you nervous, like you're lying. Just call it direction. So as you're mm. telling the story, you're directing the audience to, to think a certain way, hear a certain thing, or look in a certain uh, location. So the classic example is if I reach in my hand and, and pull out some wiffle dust and I do this, everyone is going to look at my hand because that something's going to appear right. there. Meanwhile, I can get away with murder with my left hand because I've already directed everybody away from where the monkey business happens. So there's one anecdote. It's very, very short, and it goes to the title of tonight's uh, stream. And that is, if you say to people, you have to do it kind of with a poker face. Look, I want you to think of, um, I'm going to ask you a question about the Bible, the Old Testament. Think of a story in the Old Testament. And in the story of the ark, um, in which order did the animals go into Moses' ark? So which order, like the animals? Now, most people are going to go <laughs> two by two, right? Did you just think two by yeah. two? I didn't. You didn't. Well, huh? it's, <laughs> no, it's, I didn't. It's, it's, it's Noah's, I'm... not Moses. But you see, you've, I've already said Old Testament, and <laughs> I animals and if you put the pause in the right place it gets by 95 percent of people who are biblically literate but i did There's miss some... that i missed that yeah. part of it yeah yeah so uh it's the way you want to the 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 stronger magicians out there know how to talk about what's happening in a way that completely covers up what's really happening so i think moses in the ark is a good example because for some reason I think, Mo except for David and maybe Abraham, Moses and Noah are the two most colorful. I think those two men dominate the public imagination through Hollywood mm -hmm. movies and so mm -hmm. on. But easy relation to make. Well, but I said, I mean, I set myself up to be confused by that because I was talking about the Ark, the the sense of the Ark, which has both the the ship and the box, 
as as images mm-hmm. of carrying life. Yeah, yeah. One carried the savior, and one carried the saved, at least as a as a type, right? Right. right. Uh, but mm-hmm. but also, so this is. Um, I mean, Patrick, when you're talking about the way magicians work in in terms of um, you know misdirecting and and pointing and and things like that, this is. Casey, well, Casey has been Casey's been working with me as long as kilts. <laughs> it's like the the, the <laughs> three of us are the core of the long the long durée of the work that we've done in Dragon Common Room because Casey, both Casey and kilts joined me four years ago. No, three years ago. Kilts and I met yes, Kilts yeah. and I met four yeah. four years ago online, right? Okay. But but I started the Dragon Room Common Room three years ago with writing the the poems and we've written the 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 centrism games the Roborialis and Draco Chemicus all together all the three of us have been together and then Mel who's working with us now in Draco Chemicus came in with that one after she found us for reading our other books so um mm-hmm. thinking thinking about the way we've learned to try to tell stories that both point to the truth but also carry this level of symbolism and and mystery. And w- when you were saying with direction or you know look at this and and not, and not see that, that a lot of times what we're trying to do is put the thing in there that later you'll real it's the Chekhov gun problem of the storytelling, right? Put the thing in there that later you'll realize was really significant. But when it first showed up, it was just a you know something that made sense on its own, but it didn't seem necessarily to carry any any greater significance, but knowing that people, once you've dropped something in, need it to come back in because otherwise you're like dissatisfied. It's like, well, but, but I kind of remember this thing that you mentioned and why didn't you mention it later? Because surely the, the, our, our mm-hmm. sense of meaning is from this reincorporation and story so that you're, you're sort of improving a story, the, the way, the main way to, to make it seem as if you've meant it all along is just bring back in things that you said at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it's like aha yeah. I created uh, I create the illusion of knowing what I'm talking about all the time because I just remember what I started with and then I bring it back in the and, then, and, the, and then and then and then the, resemble that remark. Well but but the thing is I I will trust myself to have said something to start with out of kind of intuition that it mattered and yeah. then later it will come back in and I'm like aha that's why it was there. Uh-huh. I know yeah. that I meant it. That's why it felt right even though I didn't know why, which is as a Christian, a good deal of my my experience of, you know, you're looking for God's direction, right? Talking about direction and misdirection, God's constantly directing us to things that if only we pay attention to and they come back in and we say, aha, I, mi- I know that I that meant to happen. Now, yeah. whether we're creating yeah. that illusion for ourselves and that's the sort of this is, I did actually want to go, we've gone deeper faster than I meant to, but Patrick, but I, I was actually hoping to get to you to talk, talk with us some about how you think about teaching theology, which is a little unfair to, you, you started with, we were going to do magic tricks, <laughs> but the, the kinds of questions that people have when they're just saying, oh, you're making this all up. You're, 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 you're creating meaning where there isn't any because of propensities that we have in for example storytelling mm-hmm. yeah but, may, but well, maybe we want to uh, do uh, tricks first uh, i don't know <laughs> uh excuse me madam they're called effects oh i'm so sorry 
successful. Hey, we'll um, Casey and I. Casey and I will start telling you about the rhyme we were working on in tonight's stanza. No, if you, no, if you we won't. <laughs> no, we won't. No. Well, um, a good starting point as you were talking about when when you hear something the first time through, it might not sink in, and then you you find ways of of em emphasizing what you really have been saying all along. Right. That made me think of uh, the best example in, in this history of cinema. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong in, in having what you said land on me properly, Night Shyamalan's third movie, the first movie he did was called Praying with Anger, mm -hmm. kind of a film student movie. And then he did a film that was miraculously picked up by Miramax, run at the time by Harvey Weinstein. That's called Wide Awake. Very kind of sweethearted Catholic movie starring uh, uh, an actress who in real life I really loathe. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but she's actually really great in this movie. That's Rosie O'Donnell as a nun. Guilty <laughs> wow. believe me. Uh, was his second movie, and Bruce Willis saw Wide Awake, and it was the strength of his directing, directing and storytelling abilities that led uh, Bruce Willis to bring the script that he loved for The Sixth Sense to an executive at Disney and plunked it on his desk, mm -hmm. and he said. I will play Malcolm Crow. This kid knows what he's doing. And that's how The Sixth Sense got greenlit. Oh, so have you seen The Sixth Sense? The movie? Yeah. Which one is, yeah. this, which one is the, the Sixth, sixth sense? sense? It's about the child psychologist who befriends a fatherless boy, played by Haley, Haley Joel Osment. And the boy tells him, I mean, this movie, this is kind of a spoiler alert. Shyamalan and his writers give the trope, the, the secret, if you will, away mm -hmm. over and over again. Right. But so close that it's not quite a revelation. Um, the tagline on the film poster is, I see dead people, but they don't know they're dead. And he discloses this secret to Bruce Willis in the hospital, while the boy's in the hospital. It's not till the end when Bruce Willis comes home one night and his estranged wife is um, watching their video, uh, their wedding video, and she lets her hand slide off, and uh, the, the ring that's no longer on her hand rolls along the floor. And then the voiceover is the boy from earlier in the film in his head. He's remembering, I see dead people, and they don't know they're dead. And Bruce Willis's character, he looks at his finger, uh, his ring finger. It's gone. He's not wearing his finger. And then he, he, he touches the side of his, uh, underneath his jacket, and there's blood mm. in his hand. That's when you realize... Bruce Willis has been dead all along. How did I miss this? So you watch the movie again, you see how brilliant, how close mm -hmm. Shyamalan dropping this, the whole secret. Um, it's uh, really something else. It was really well guarded too, right? Because his character is a child psychologist. Why wouldn't he be talking to this poor child who thinks he sees dead people, right? Yeah. Yes. So the not only is it a, an extended metaphor about purgatory and the, the dead who are, no, who are not at rest, but it's, uh, I think at the core, The Sixth Sense is a story of a childless father whose lesson is to listen to his wife. And the, the son, the, the, um, the child psychologist, a son, and his secret, I mean, the, what he wants to impart to the boy is speak to these ghosts, speak to the dead people. Mm. Bond, they bond in fatherlessness and sonlessness, if you will, and it all has to do with communication. And ultimately, communication um, in, in the, I mean, they don't talk about praying for the dead, but I think Shyamalan has enough Catholic formation from 
going to Catholic schools his whole life as a Hindu, uh, it sunk in. The idea of the dead not at rest, not in hell, but not also in glory, looking at God face to face. Uh, a great film to rewatch. Mm-hmm. Or maybe watch it yeah. all. But the, uh, the but what you're what I hear is, I mean, it's not just the the dead and purgatory, but this sense of you know the the problem of god's god's view and our view and god sees the whole story always and our experience mm-hmm. of the story of life of time is each of these things happen and then later we look back and suddenly it all clicks into place and you realize it was meaningful all along and mm-hmm. the i so i was thinking it's like the, the other thing I was thinking about is like we could talk about the Trinity because we did, we spared you that from the first time round when we did the the tricks in in the summer or the the, the effects. Um, but I would actually it would be nice to to sort of workshop through how do we explain this sense of being in the story and meaningful to people that don't have that understanding already, and that is the mm. you know that that it's I, I, one because. Selfishly, I've been, you know, I'm teaching my history of European civilization course this quarter alongside that's an undergraduate class, alongside a graduate class and reading the Gospels. And so I've been having this kind of whiplash effect between the two courses because with the Gospels course, we're reading about how over the early Middle Ages, commentators read or didn't read the kinds of things that we expect to find in a Jesus story. And in the history of European civilization class, I have mainly students who, well, either they, they're Catholic and they have a lot of back formation or they don't have any. And I just gave them an essay in which I was asking them to say, you know, how has what we've been reading changed what you knew before? I'm constantly, I mean, I'm trying to get them, like, how, what? how do you get to the experience that the catechumen has that Augustine says, find yourself in the story, recognize all of these resonances and these, you know, the, the directions that God has been giving you to see meaning, meaning in all of this. You can't do it unless people have the story to start with. And and then, you know, sort of in the layers and layers and layers of what we do as, um, oh, there, there are no good words for it. It's like the thought leaders, wait, no, uh, mm, uh, influencers. No, 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 that's planets. No, wait. Uh, it, the, the sort of as Christians bearing witness, mm-hmm. right? And and you're saying that the um, the movie maker you were just talking about had some formation so that he knew how to set a story up to have that effect. But then, how do you explain? Well, that is in fact the effect that we're meant to have between the Moses, the Noah Ark, the Moses Ark, and the incarnation. It's, it's it's that feeling well, of suddenly recognizing the the fullness of the story that's always been there. I like to talk about definitions. Uh, I think this we touched on this uh, last mm. time in our session. Uh, I like the definition by David Howard, who for a long time was the the director of the of the screenwriting program at uh, at USC, and his definition of a story is that. A story is about someone who wants something very badly and is having a hard time getting it. So there's a, already there's a protagonist and an antagonist implicit mm-hmm. in that definition. It's a compressed definition. Um, I think all grim fairy tales have it. I think uh, Chaucer, Beowulf, um, Greek tragedy has it, plays. 
and certainly scripture has it. You've got the three-part structure. Um, one of my mentors in screenwriting is David Mamet, who wrote, among other things, he wrote State of Maine. Um, he wrote The Verdict. Oh, funny, small world. The Verdict features Bruce Willis with hair as an extra in the big court scene wow. behind him. <laughs> Um, I want to look for it now. So when you say he was, when you say he was one of your mentors, you studied with him directly. He was a masterclass.com teacher. Yeah, him and I studied with him and Aaron Sorkin, who created. Okay. Um, uh, but David Mamet, I think, is a certified genius. He's a Pulitzer winner. He um, also directed uh, The Untouchables with Kevin Costner um, and Sean Connery. And um, David also, Mamet directed that. Et David Mamet also directed a oh. great G film. He's got a lot of f bombs in a lot of his stories. A very gritty kind of Chicago storyteller. Mm -hmm. But this is a rated G Fumi, uh, rated G film, Fumi, Fumi. Not even a good portmanteau. This is a rated G um, film called The Winslow Boy. Mm. Adapted a Terrence, I think it's a Terrence Radigan play. Uh, and the Winslow boy is simply uh, an exploration of the question, did a nine-year-old boy steal from the British mail system or didn't he? And it goes all the way to Parliament, um, uh, a member of Parliament um, representing the boy. Riveting, rated G, the Winslow boy. You're welcome in advance. <laughs> so, um, and Mamet says, I, I know I brought up Mamet, uh, a story has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end in that order. Which is why French movies suck. <laughs> well, I mean, beginning, no, middle, and the end, it's, it's Aristotle, right? Isn't it? I mean, then the, the. Yeah, Aristotle and the Poetics is the yeah. first, I think, real expositor of story structure. Yeah. And then his, his I guess, may he rest in peace, William Goldman took that um, uh, in his own direction. He's the only, I think he's the only screenwriter Goldman is to win two Academy Awards for uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and. All the President's mm -hmm. Men. Um, he also did Marathon Man, and he wrote the book and adapted the uh, Princess Bride. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Long, long of writing, and he says story is structure. And the reason I love uh, talking about this—the similarity, the overlap between good stories, including screen uh, screenplays and scripture—is that that scripture is one big three-act structure. You have the beginning. Act one is creation. And act two is the loss and destruction of creation. Right. It's boy meets girl. Boy loses girl. So the Lord loses his people and they lose him. And then act three is the restoration. But not just going back to the garden. This is something I hear Christians say and it drives me batty. We don't go back to the garden. The garden is the scene of the crime. Mm. We want up to paradise. You can't go back to the garden. Tom Wolfe said you can never go home. Um, because of the sin of our first parents, that's no longer home and never will be home. So the ending of a satisfying story is always some richly ironic ending that is simultaneously um, surprising, but then fulfilling, even, even it's sort of that both end. Uh, something works out in, a, in an ironic way, even if it's not a quote unquote happy ending. Like Rocky, Rocky's a really good example of beginning, middle, and end. Uh, I think it's the best of the of the Rocky franchise. And uh, here's a trivia question for you. After you have the the, the initial Bill Conti, dun dun da da dun da da dun da 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 and the word Rocky flies by in plain white font on black background, then it says United Art. 
Do you know the first image of the first Rocky movie that launches the entire franchise? The first thing we see is an icon of Jesus. Boom. And then it pans wow. down. There's yeah, Rocky duking cool. it out. Total dive. This garbage-ridden um, basement boxing ring with an unknown loser fighter. And uh, the next shot is from below, and you see the fighters. And in the background, just a little bit out of focus, um, Stallone tells us where we are. Resurrection Athletic Club. <gasps> oh, my oh, gosh. No That's really good. And then the I've thing, seen this photo. I remember that. I don't want to now. <laughs> he never really returns to it, except that that's his chosen uh, opener. And John Avildsen shot it as it's written on the page. So and Stallone after, wrote that. Pardon me? Stallone wrote that in then to the yeah, script. Yeah, he wrote yeah, he first he wrote the first two Rockies. Uh, he may have had an input in Rocky Three. I'm not sure. Um, Sly, if you're out there, I want to get you on my show because I think the first, especially the first two, Rocky, the, the original Rocky in particular, is a masterclass in mindset. Uh, it, Rocky's fighting simultaneous enemies, and and the oh, the least brilliant. the least enemy that he's fighting is Apollo Creed. His first enemy is himself. He has to fight himself to overcome his shyness in wooing Adrian. Mm-hmm. His second is Adrian's brother, Paulie. Paulie, yo, Paulie, what do you want from me? What are you going to do? And I then, just thought of something. What's that? I just thought of something. His um, yeah. his rival is named Apollo, right? The sun yeah. god. Creed. <laughs> yeah. Creed. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I think Patrick, you, you, uh, I, I, I'm not sure you said that in our last episode together. I think you told me that when we were, when I was begging you for help on our blurb (laughs) 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 for Drake Alchemicus, right? That I, I, Mm -hmm. we were, you and you were counseling me on how to, in fact, show the story that we were writing, and I. Now I can't remember. I, I got to the point where I understood it was a love story rather than all of the things that we were calling it back in the Kickstarter days. Oh, all these many months ago when it was, you know, a fairy story because we were saying, oh, but it's a fairy queen, right? It should be a fairy story. And it's like, nobody knows what that means. Or it should be, you know, this yeah. electric pirate fantasy because we thought, oh, well, that'll be cool because, you know, it was down mysterious. And realizing that people want it on the one hand they want to be surprised i think the irony i'd like to talk about that in a, in a moment but they want to know what kind of story it is and then i you know was saying well it is in fact bluntly a love story which i had to burst into tears to figure out because i i tend to do that i i, I clutch my my precious so close that i can't see it until i say it's a love story okay it's christ it's christ's <laughs> love for the soul which is directly the structure that we've given draco chemicus and then how how you said it 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 needs to be that there's something that's lost how did you put that well just follow the the greatest three-act structure of sacred scripture it's creation it it's the the creation the fall the restoration right but you but you tend to drop yourself into the but you said there's an antagonist right there's some kind of antagonist and of course in drake alchemicus the dragon rules everything. So I just start with that, right? The dragon rules the city of light and that the, the, the lover, the beloved has been lured away and Damien has to enter into the story and win her back. Right. And, and being able to say that in a way that shows the conflict and, and also mm-hmm. the hope was really important. Yeah. Well, God, God is, this is, has multiple meanings too. And this just came to me as you were talking right now. 
God is the director. Satan is the misdirector. Mm. And a misdirect a misdirector is still contingent upon direction in the same way that a lie is contingent upon the truth. That's why Satan is a parasite. Right. He's a parasite being. He's a parasite ontologically because a lie has to rest in and twist some truth. Otherwise, it's not an effective lie. Uh, a really good liar is going to resemble the truth, which is why the Antichrist doesn't have to resemble the devil. He has to resemble Christ. Right. And subtly right. he can do more people will be will be lured. Remember, St. Paul, I think it's first or second Thessalonians. I can never remember which. But he, he's talking about the man of sin, the man of perdition, whose appearance will will um, uh, come before the second coming of our Lord. And he says there will be a great deception so powerful that even the elect would be swayed. That's got to be some powerful deception, which means it has to it has to ape the truth effectively. So people will say, hmm, enough of that has the ring of truth. I think I'm going to be, uh, you know, tempted by it. And that's exactly what we're trying to do in Drake Alchemicus. It's that the, the dragon mm -hmm. is is twinning of Christ. And and he's mm -hmm. he's this is like the, the dragon rules the city of light. And it needs to be the city of light because mm -hmm. that's where we are in this Internet reality. Attractive. And the sin is attractive. He rules it with magic and vice. So now we have oh, the, nice. the, the illusion, right? And also the temptations. And and that Columbine, the, <laughs> the, the beloved, has been enchanted by that vice. So we, mm -hmm. we, we invite you to enchant us now with your, your effects. Wow, that's <laughs> the way we were. Segue. Um, let me... Let me start with something really fun, and it goes to what seems to be free choice that might be part of an overarching knowledge that's not foreknowledge. Mm. And it's all it, it won't work unless you know what Graceland is. Do you know what Graceland is? But Elvis's house? Yeah. Elvis's house in Memphis. Now, there's some lore about Graceland, sort of like the lore about Disneyland. Um, I don't know if this is true, but it works well for... Uh, for magics. So this is a this is a, a blue bike deck. I don't know if you can see that. Yes. I get I buy my car Costco. This is not a gaffed deck at all. It's a it's a blue bicycle deck. And uh allegedly Graceland had Okay, cool. Graceland had two rooms in it. But one of the rooms now I'm gonna I'm gonna tilt down and just talk so you can you can see me here. I don't want any of this out of frame. You see the deck there? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is that coming in no, focus? No, it's 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 your hand is in focus. Your huh. Let's try that. The focus. If you have the focus, really, t yeah, there the deck go. is now in focus. Okay, mm -hmm. very good. But it's it's going in. Uh. It's going in and out of focus. The the effect. The, the the camera effect is making this more mysterious than maybe you want it to. Uh, okay. This is well, this is your fancy that. iPhone. Uh, crazy. Xi Jinping, if you're help, if you're listening, please help. <laughs> I, the deck is, um, it, it's just coming in and out of focus. You're going to have to go really slow. Because because right, the, camera's, the camera's focusing and then not focusing. That, okay, there it is. So um, one of the rooms in Graceland was called the Red Room. It was off the main foyer. And there's my, there's my phone saying... 
I'm out of power to say. Oh, maybe maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, Kilt Kilt says no, when we were talking about this night in our poetry writing session was golf. Well, that's sort of true. Yeah, there, there was golf. <laughs> nice. Golf was mentioned. <laughs> Okay. Mm, all right. I think I have the solution. More power. You have to be connected to the the the, uh, the electrical grid. There. there it is. Okay. This should be uh, a little better. Let me see if I can. It's so kooky. I've never had this. Uh focus problem before of course not because you're live right now uh, wait a minute is this, is this a direction direction no this is actually this, not this is just the tech is, uh, <laughs> it, it didn't do the it didn't do this in rehearsal for sure huh now there we go right yeah okay now i'm flipping the deck face up now, ordinarily, if I do this, if I do this live, one of you will do this cut, and I just say, "Freely cut." I think you can tell when I grab the cards that it is a free choice. This is not part of the. I'm not. What I'm about to do is not fake. I'm actually randomly cutting the deck. Okay. We believe so, you. So, okay. Now I, yeah, Now I can do that again if you want, or we can stick with that choice. The the the, the, the four of diamonds. Yes, we'll stick with that. Okay. Want to use the four of diamonds, or do you want to use the the eight of clubs packet? You pick. The four. Four. Okay. Whoa. Wait, you have two different backs there. Where'd you get those red ones? What red ones? There were red ones. We saw them. Really? Yeah. Huh. But you started with the four of, four of diamonds, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Four of diamonds. That was a free choice? Yep. All right. This is cool. I want you both at the same time to picture a deck of cards with only the four of diamonds the wrong way. So 52 cards are going one way, but the four of diamonds is reversed. You with me? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Red deck. A la the red room. Yes. At Graceland. Four diamonds, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And in your minds, there's 51 cards facing one way, except for that four diamonds, right? You with me? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, no cards in the box. You probably can't tell from where you are because of the focus thing, but I can affirm from this angle, it is in fact the Four of Diamonds. Thank you. We, you didn't show it to us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> now, why is that not in focus? Crazy. So it, it looks like, yeah, yeah the, the camera is... I th so the thing is I've used an I've I've used an iPhone camera for my my streams on this and and the this it should be able to focus on you without it. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, from our bulging live broadcast is what is felt. This is a little better. The, the background's a bit out of focus, right? Background's supposed to be mm -hmm. out of focus. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. So that we can't, we can't, we can't read your life in your bat, in your, in your, in your knickknacks behind you. No, you can't quite. We're going Although to. Probably... We're going to read your life in the knickknacks behind you. There's something white. There's something blue. There's <laughs> <laughs> something blue. All right. And the, and, the, and, the, and then the young boy will come up. No wait. <laughs> nice. I will um, tilt down again. And I want you to, this is a really fun effect, using four in uh, face down piles. Red queens, uh, queens from a red deck and queens from a blue deck. Okay. Uh, KC, this is not a yes. choice or equivocate. Do you want to use blue or do you want to use red? Red. Red? All right. Yes. These two face down piles of queens means that I want you to think of a queen. Don't tell me what it is. See, face down. Think of a you got you a queen. Didn't show us they were queens yep. to start with. Uh, believe <laughs> me, at this line you'll see exactly why that is. Okay, so you're we're, thinking of a we're suspicious now. Right? Yes. Okay, I will tell Rachel whether you're thinking one of the red queens or one of the black queens. So if you say red, then Rachel, you're going to pick either queen of clubs or queen of spades. If she says black, it's going to be diamond or heart. You with me? Just so we don't come up with the same, you don't, you aren't thinking of the same queen. So Casey, tell her if the queen in your mind is red or black. Black. Okay, good. So Rachel, you're now selecting one of the red queens, right? Okay. Don't remember what it is. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make two promises. Promise number one is the queens that you're thinking of are going to flip up face up in these face down cards. Promise number two is they're gonna change piles and I'm not gonna touch them. So Rachel, for the first time, you had blue, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, what queen, I had blue. What queen do you think? What queen, I was thinking of the queen of hearts. Yes. The queen of hearts. Mm -hmm. Wow, I got it. <laughs> There. <laughs> Casey, what was yours? Queen of Spades. Queen of Spades. I think I think I think yeah. Casey's doing. Casey, Casey was worried she wouldn't do full kilts reactions, but you know, <laughs> she wasn't here last time. <laughs> listen, here, here. Remember, I said I kind of, I kind of did it the, uh, the the cheat way to change. But let me really make them change files. <laughs> oh my gosh wow that's weird. okay I, no, no there, idea there's no idea there's one last thing here it's an extra bonus i didn't tell you about oh golly <gasps> oh, how'd you get that many jokers we're thinking there's only two in a deck <laughs> this would not work if you were thinking hearts and spades. That is really weird. Do it Thank again. <laughs> Remind, note to self, never do magic for Rachel again. <laughs> Add, do it again. I, 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 why do I feel 
Kena in the background at a wedding. Do it again. Yeah, it was already water. <laughs> start with water. As in, get off the stage. <laughs> hey, hey, I w- yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in, so. I'm in this, I'm in this, this business to learn, right? I want to see it, see how, see how the magic, magic happens. Because I mean, it's it's a you know this rhetorical problem that you can persuade us to think in certain ways by putting the right word in the right place at the right moment, the right inflection. Mm-hmm. And I want to know how that works. I want, I want, it's like pen and teller for poetry. Do it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I see what you did there. So. So ma- magic and miracles af- actually have a lot in common. Uh, chiefly, they have uh, the subversion of ex- subversion of expectations, and also they produce effects without sufficient causes, or at least they mm-hmm. seem to. And if you look at speaking of Moses and Mosaic Covenant, the magicians of Pharaoh replicate the the miracles that God performs through Moses. Again, what's happening with the magicians of Pharaoh is that they're misdirecting. God's God's movement in history through miracles are not misdirection; they're direction, right? They're right. they're dynamis in Greek is the word for dynamite. It's a sign, but all the devil can do is tricks. He can only be a parasite on the real thing, which is the difference between a mere um, uh, entertainment thing that has to do with um, directions less misdirection and the real thing, which is a miracle, which is something in which the God of nature suspends the normal laws of nature to reveal his glory and, and to bless us. And just, just one note on the wedding of Cain. It's one of my favorite stories in John's gospel. And of all the four gospels, it's the only miracle that Jesus performs in which no one is healed. Mm-hmm. The wedding of Cana is a miracle just because to make a good wedding great. So, I only use my powers for good. I don't want anybody to have bad dreams. Please. <laughs> do another one. Since you won't do the not, that one again. Oh, she's, no, she's, she's stuck in now. Yeah. It's... <laughs> we, don't, we don't do things to it out. Uh, I wonder if I can... Hmm. Yeah, this might, this might be... I hope... Can I do this one using human beings? Let me see. Uh, I'll turn my head. Just, just say stop whenever you want. Stop. Okay. Do you want that card or that card? The this one. I don't know which is left and the, right. <laughs> you want this one or do you want that one? Okay, this one. Good. Yes. I'm gonna tilt down, and you see it, y'all. You guys all see it there, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Watch. Make one last cut right there. Now, I think yours, I really want this to work. I think yours came to the top. Does that look familiar? Yep. This is great because like everybody watching can see that I saw. So it's, it's double proof. Yeah. So I'm just going to put, this is my mic holder. It's, it's hefty enough. It's not, 
it's got some heft to it. So I'm going to put the eight of clubs. That's the eight of clubs, right? You guys are all mm -hmm. looking at it. I'm going to put it under that right there. So you, so I, it's in plain sight. So I can't, I can't get at it. So that I'm just going to, I'm not going to touch it except for to move it that way a bit. All right. Now, um, the next card down is the what? Can you guys say that out loud? King of Spades. King of Spades. King of Spades. Is there any doubt? I mean, you're looking right at it, right? Right. It's the King of Spades. If the FBI, it's the Eight of Clubs and the and the King of Spades, and you would pass a lie detector with the FBI, wouldn't you? Well, maybe, but in this in this situation, well, I mean, it's, it's the, the King of Spades. <laughs> it is the King of Spades, right? Yeah. yeah. We're, yes. I'm, I'm stretching this out for a reason. Now watch. One, two, three. Now, now we <laughs> have a problem. Uh, That's so I'm good. I'm just gonna. Uh, oh my oh, god! How did you do that? Two, one. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's yeah. That's impressive. The uh, King of Spades is a little bit naughty, but when it's naughty, I, I just send it into non-being, like that. I just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So your God-given hands are, uh, are 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 misdirecting us here. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I'm a mime. Shoot me. You can't. <laughs> we're 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 on the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Excellent. So I, there's another one I can do at the end that involves me being able to tell when you're lying. That's that involves a deck that you have, right? Um, Rachel, I, you have I a deck, deck there, here, I ask. Yes. Okay, maybe we can close with okay. that. It's really fun. Okay, so now we have we have some more. Casey, you had some, some some specific questions that you wanted to ask him. Whether I can just like surf around and and, and go off my well, notes here, but. but. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I well, I didn't have any specific. Is there a particular particular topic you're thinking, Rachel? I made you make notes. You were supposed to do your homework. I did make notes. I made lots of notes, but it's on so many different topics. Go for um, it. Pick one. Pick a. I so I what I what, one thing I had I had. I want Patrick to explain evil, sin, salvation, who Christ is, the Trinity, and prayer. So See, I, I wrote it down. To, yeah. <laughs> I, I How long do we have? <laughs> I was listening to your interview with uh, Naomi Wolf um, earlier today. It was really excellent and. What fascinated me about it was that you 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 started talking about where she was started talking about the COVID lockdowns and how people were acting and she's very sharp. I was very impressed with her mm -hmm. because she had questions immediately and they were really good questions. And um, but you ended the interview. Well, she actually was asking about eschatology. Yeah, and I thought that was fascinating. Uh, totally, what, what I didn't do any. I I rarely do any prep. Uh, maybe twenty percent. I want. I want twenty percent. Something that I'm. I'm. I definitely read the book of my guests. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like uh, the Larry King approach, where you can tell the host has not read the book. I, I really hate that. So I mm -hmm. want to honor by reading the book that they write before we talk. But I didn't. I did not anticipate her to turn the tables like that and start asking me about Catholic eschatology and and the Antichrist and Satan and the Catholic worldview worldview about this fallen world. But I was happy to have the open door. And that's a yeah. great example. The classic verse for a Catholic apologist, everybody listening knows what I'm about to say. It's 1 Peter 3.15. Mm -hmm. 
always have a ready reason for those who ask you of the hope that's in you. Mm -hmm. Right? Reason, uh, defense, summary, explanation, rationale. We're not really supposed to be giving that, that ready reason unless we're asked. That's the commandment of the first pope. He's not saying being Catholic, always bring up purgatory, uh, talk about dogma, or you know, in the golf course. <laughs> right. But if someone asks you of it's in you, well, there's your open door. Now provide your ready reason. And I was very honored that she went there, that she, I guess, trusted how the conversation was going, that it would be a safe thing to bring up. Mm-hmm. And it was. I mean, we talked about the devil and the Antichrist and the end of history and, and uh, Christ our Lord and the sacraments. And the, the anger a lot of Catholics felt about being locked away from the sacraments. And that's right. one thing I have with her because she's a, a Reformed Jew and she was totally expunged from her synagogue. That's crazy. And it along with, as most, you know, suburban Novus Ordo parishes with the Masque Army. And she wasn't having any mm-hmm. of them. So I was going to check out uh, traditional Latin masses in her hometown. I hope she did. I think she would be, I think it would be a real jolt of champagne for her to well, I, I love what she said. She said uh, she seemed really excited about that when you told her about an FSSP parish that she wanted to see that. She said it's authentic. And she said the word very excitedly. She said, I would love to see that. It's so authentic. Right. Yep. It's like, I think she's and maybe that's why she brought up eschatology and the, the end of the world, because she saw, you know, she's kicked out of her synagogue. Um, lots of people are locked out of their churches. And then she's maybe thinking well, this is always the way the world has run, and now it's been completely turned upside down. I've heard of this thing called the end times. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to logically go through my what might have been going through her mind to to connect those two things together. I thought mm-hmm. that was fascinating. I mean, I wasn't expecting it. It was really interesting. That's uh, how bad things are around us can be a uh, a red pill dispenser that makes people look up maybe for the first time. Look up. I mean metaphysically up at God, um, you know, how, how, where are we going and why are we in this handbasket? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what, so, what, so I, 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 my, you know, my mischievous self wants us to talk about the Trinity and the things that didn't get said in the not intervention. <laughs> um, that, I, I like I like the the advice to just be, I mean we're joyful we witness to our joy I have I so I have actually finished the Hope is Fuel series and everybody should watch it it's mm. wonderful um, and and Patrick it was well if I flatter you after I teased you about the tricks it's not fair but but they were wonderful interviews I I really like how you just you set people up to tell their stories which is is a gift. Um, and I learned so many different things that I, that I, um, you know, there, there's some things like Briggs with his logic and our friendy Michael Jones with God has a plan for your life. But there were other things about, um, you know, the sacredness of the body and a lot of the women talking about, you know, having been in the feminist moment and, and moving away from that. Um, a lot of the, the various, you had several athletes, um, who's the basketball player who was talking out for mental health and got canceled? Yeah. 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 Royce White, right. former NBA star, Royce White, yeah, the, uh, his own show called, um, uh, call me, just call me crazy. 
He's running again against Ilan Omar in, in uh, oh, well, Congress. <laughs> well, that's fun. So, well, I mean, there, there, and you were starting from all from their position as everyone has. It, they had hope, right? That you were getting us to witness me, right? I also got to talk about Mary. Thank you. Um, witness to our hope, and and that is, I mean, that's incredibly powerful. If we just we we are the light and the salt in the world, and and people will come to us. <laughs> but what what do we do with someone who is mocking and resistant and and thinks that you know the best? I mean, because this is the, the online situation that Casey and Kiltz and I and Mel have, have spent a lot of time in is a lot of, of ridicule. And, yeah, and that's an excellent, yeah. Yeah. Before I get there, since you, you mentioned uh, hope is fuel, if people want to go to hope is fuel.com to find out more about what you're just talking about, Rachel, um, my, my partner in crime, uh, Ryan Moreau and I were talking this week and we, we just decided we're going to offer 35% off uh, black Friday sale. If you just go there, you'll find out who the, who the speakers are. I mean, in addition to you, Rachel, talking about Our Lady, Our Lady is the beacon of hope mm -hmm. for people who maybe this is why why God is a genius. For people who think of Christianity as masculine, who have been hurt by men, they will find a rich, super feminine, sturdy, strong woman to care for them, and that's the that's the woman who gave the word flesh. Uh, David Torkington, who puts it all together with the power of prayer and not, you know, uh, white belt, white shoes, prayer, uh, just th the fact that since the Reformation and then even worse, since the Enlightenment, our world is screwed up and the church is upside yeah. down because we've stopped praying. For so many Catholics, they don't pray. Their faith is their hobby. They like arguing online. So they're apologetics geniuses, right. but they're not they're not praying. So they're not they're not plugged in. They're like a, a light bulb that looks like it might carry some light, but it's not it's not screwed into the source. And David Torkington, 85 years young, uh, self-taught, severe dyslexic, can barely read. And I could listen to this man. He could read the funny pa papers or or Kanye West tweets all day. Um, so I, I'm just, just such an honor to have met David Torkington. He's our, our first author at, over at Essentialist mm -hmm. Press. Um, the people who were vax injured, uh, who have hopeful stories, uh, E. Michael Jones on God having a plan for your life. That goes to, to great stories too. Um, briefly, my favorite story, I think my favorite story from, from the Old Testament is the patriarch Joseph, who's the most, I think, minutely detailed uh, type of Christ. Joseph abandoned by his 12 brothers, thrown into a well for three days <laughs> you know slavery by the hairy ishmaelites he goes he's he's accused of rape by potiphar's wife so he's the suffering servant he's innocent he ends up because of his ability to prophetically and correctly interpret dreams he's the number two guy under pharaoh where he administers bread he distributes bread at the right hand of pharaoh does any of this sounding familiar yeah. <laughs> they have they're in a pinch because there's a horrible famine uh, Jacob deputizes his sons to go to Egypt because they hear about this food that's available. And Joseph recognizes them. They don't mm. recognize him. And he plants, he plants the goblet in the backpack of Benjamin as a test. And when the brothers prefer prison to giving up their brother, that's when Joseph has to leave the room. He, he The Bible says, 
the whole palace is filled with the, the sound of his mm. sobs. So moved at their conversion. And then he says that beautiful line, I'm Joseph, your brother. And you're like, uh, uh, what? And then he says, that's in the original Hebrew, I think, uh, uh, what? And then he says to them, what, what you did, you meant for evil, but God has turned it to good. Okay, now I'm, I'm so going to start crying. All of that downward spiral into despair and hopelessness and loss ends up being an upward fall. You see how Cain in the original, the, the nucleus of that story is like Eden. It's the garden, but they go back to the garden. They go to paradise. Right. And that is a, a beautiful uh, a foretaste of the Canaan is not going to be Canaan forever. Canaan is going to be the promised land. Mm -hmm. Joseph, the forgiving, suffering servant. It's just so, it's so gorgeous. Uh, there's a new book that's not published yet, by the way, by Father James Maudsley. It's volume five of a, is that, would that be mythology? Um, it's on the conversion of the Jews, and it's called If You Believed Moses. He has a beautiful, um, long footnote on uh, Joseph and his relationship to his natural mother, Rachel, who's the young wife of Jacob. And it's just, uh, just exquisite. Um, that's, that's, that was a bit that's of, pretty topical, you know, <laughs> the yes. thing that we actually are all praying for is mm -hmm. the recog that yeah. recognition because there's yeah. Joseph with the bread and with the goblet, mm -hmm. hoping that th they'll come back. Yeah, that's it. That is it. So I think, but where do we, where do we leave the main river there? I want to get back I was, to the, the problem. So it's, it's, it's one way to be witnessing, which is in hope and, and, you know, being, and I like saying this, it's like in, in all the difficulties that we're in at any point, And I, this seems to help the students when I suggested this to them on campus, it's like, how can, how can so few of us have any effect? It's like, well, because Jesus told us you're the salt, you know, and mm -hmm. it's like being a light on the, you know, a light on on the hill is one thing but saying you're, you're the salt you're the thing that without which people die if you have no salt in your body you die you're horribly yeah. you know if you're sweated all out and they're horribly horribly dehydrated and desalinated you just yeah. drop you're dead right so the salt is is what we need to be um for our you know our world as as christians and and that you know that's hopeful and nice but but then there's the yeah. The obverse of the way in which the arguments can play out. I mean, one, and Patrick, you have a lot of experience with this, of the internal, our internal Catholic arguments, which can get quite bitter and and um, unfortunate. Um, but but the, the sort of general mm -hmm. cultural ridicule, right? It's like the, 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 we, can, we can be all the salt, you know, the salty light and hope that we like, but I like the salt lamps, right? They're great, right? So we can be the salt lamps of, of hope, but... Maybe that's it, and we just deal with that with the ridicule. But there must be—I mean, maybe—is there anything else? What else can we do when people are mocking? Yeah, good. That's a good question. I found where I found where I wanted to uh, to return to. Um, just go to hopeisfuel.com, find out more about the speakers. Thirty-five percent off this week for um, Black Friday. That's my ad. But hopeisfuel.com. I think you'll—I think people will—they'll find a way to have things land on them in a brand new way that maybe they've heard their whole lives. Yeah. 
So when people mock the Christian message, when their their whole intellectual formation is in a subreddit group, yes, or watch, or watching Dick Dawkins uh, talk to atheists, I had a chance to confront Richard Dawkins in San Diego at a, a atheist convention, and he quickly changed the subject. It was very. <laughs> Very strange. I can tell you one quick anecdote about what what he what he did. It was called the Humanist Association, but they're all atheists. I got to the microphone, and he was still he was still giving his talk. And it was Good Friday. That was the day of the talk. Mm. Three thousand atheists crammed into this massive auditorium in San Diego, and he had a frame on his PowerPoint of Jim Caviezel as Jesus in the in the Passion of the Christ on the cross. And he, and he said this or similar words. Look at Christians. They, they must believe God is a sadist. Look what he did to his son. Right. Okay? That, that kind and of the thing. Jeers, the jeers, the mocking. I could almost hear crucify him. Like these people looking at one still frame from Mel Gibson's masterpiece. And then he went to advance it to make his next point. The clicker would not advance that frame. <laughs> They had to sit there and look at Jesus oh, on the, and uh, the cacophony and the mocking slowly went quiet. quiet. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting Awkward. that, that just God's little providence, right? Give, just give them, make them look mm. at it. You will look upon, like the, there's the brazen serpent and know is your salvation. And you quit, and they quickly ran out of their of their mocking sounds. It was just one of the uh, real. Uh, it's a moment of you can't rehearse those things, right? That's incredible. The height of irony. Yeah. They're all standing or mocking him. Right. <laughs> They're doing what? what? Yeah. Everybody like, else did on the actual Good original. Friday. Super original. Um, I I like the advice of my spiritual father, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, and and Bishop Sheen dealt with a lot of hostility in the church and out of the church when he was with us. He died in 1979. And Bishop Sheen's advice was, don't so much to what people say, but why they say it. Because mm. normally the mocking of the, the message of our, of our salvation and the person of, of Christ our Lord and the message of the gospel is rooted in a lot of unhealed trauma and pain and, and hopelessness. And there's a saying attributed to Plato that I love very much. And the saying is, uh, be kind to everyone you meet because everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. They might have a bonhomie, you know, fake smile, mm. but everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And often the mocking is rooted in in pain and anger that reminds me of one of my favorite lines from C.S. Lewis. It's, it's not well known. I think it's from Surprised by Joy, his 1929 account of his conversion. And C.S. Lewis said, when I was an atheist, I knew God didn't exist. And I was very angry at him for not existing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a really brilliant um, insight. And so, again, if people ask you of the hope that's in you, that's your open door. Uh, I generally don't, I don't respond to mocking except to ask why, why they're angry. Why are you angry? 
I remember because when I when I hosted, I've read your uh, Twitter. You make jokes. <laughs> I make jokes. I sure do. I do. I, that should be my Twitter handle, Patrick I, Saucy on. Yes. <laughs> So I mean, and, um, and and the thing is that we've also so there's there was a long running discussion among some of us back in the day when Milo had his his motto the Chesterton paraphrased right he he got he got it from um, Reese's the Bellum? Reese's at Bellum right he got he got it from uh, actually I I did a blog post on it and I can't remember whether it was Chesterton or me who said the glad and angry faith it, it, it's Chesterton talking about the Salvation Army and the way they you know, sort of have this glad and angry faith. And so um, it, 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 you know, that our faith should be with joy and willingness to to stand up and fight, right? I think is the... Yeah, like la laughter and war. Happy warriors. Happy warriors, the, the laughter and war. And... Um, the, the, Rachel, I'm sorry, mm, ma, Milo, Milo, this is not ringing I, a bell. I know, I, my, I, he, 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 had, he had a moment at Berkeley, they, they, set the campus on fire or something. I think he lives in California now. Maybe he could be in your neighborhood, you know. You should watch out. He he lives he lives right now on a on a house on a hill in the light. <laughs> well we all know this because there were there have been all of this coverage about this someone said a drone over the house and and you know we're showing the ways he's it looks out over this lake. It's it's really quite beautiful. And he has a cat that can play fetch, which is quite 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 the accomplishment helen her name's mm -hmm. helen the cat and she was born in troy which is very no, her, her 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 her, her co-cat second adopted cat is is troy so there's helen and troy <laughs> oh that's that's cute we we yeah, dog dogs people are still skeptical right but you know helen's pretty helen is very pretty she's very sweet dog dogs have owners cats have staff Yes, we'll we'll tell him that for sure. <laughs> anyway, so but the thing, but, but it, you're, you're talking about the uh, shiny moment and you and Milo, and uh, I think the the segue was mocking or well, or why, uh, Reese, the um, Reese's at Bellum, right? And and of course, you know that 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 Milo had been able to, but one the thing that happened at Berkeley, which is is interestingly like being revisited now on college campuses now when we have something even more serious to deal with than um feminism which is palestine <laughs> yeah. and um that that one argument that came up in in a lot of discussions that that we had in my chat was this sense of you know is it appropriate it is it isn't mocking and ridicule mocking the sacred what happens when you mock the sacred which then i end up with horribly enough knowing the charlie hebdo covers <laughs> um that mm -hmm. they made mocking the trinity mm -hmm. um mocking the incarnation it, it seems different from mocking the trinity because christ is mocked as you pointed out right in the in the crucifixion the mocking happens so it's it's sort of internal to the story what happens when you ridicule the the idea of the incarnation and that being okay now we've gone really dark and deep um the problem for for Judaism is that they cannot accept the incarnation because it seems not just risible but disgusting. And and I know this I know this somewhat from the the medieval tradition. Um, when you're talking about the the hope for Israel to be converted, 
I go to one of the texts that I, I first wrote about in my first book, um, Honorius Augustinensis's Seal of Blessed Mary, which is just like Draco Chemicus, one titled in Latin. No, no. Um, one, it's, it's, it's modeled on the Song of Songs as a drama of Christ's love for his, his mother, for Mary. And there's a scene at the end of it when Mary speaking in the voice of the bride is saying, I will be a wall for them. And what Honorius did from this is saying, Mary says this to the, the synagogue, I will be a wall for you, which in his context in 1100 is protecting the synagogue, protecting the people um, of, of, of the, the Jews from the um, massacres of the crusaders. So Mary is there in, in this 11, you know, text from around 1100 saying, I will protect you. But the the mm -hmm. problem is in that period in and around eleven hundred that that's a really hard argument even for Honorius to make because the 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 people particularly in England where he's writing are having debates with the Jews about the incarnation and the Jews are saying things like well you know it's it's disgusting that Christ would be you know mm -hmm. you say the Savior the Messiah would be born um, and I finally understand this now because I've I've read it read about um, the Jewish conversation more deeply that he's born from a menstruating woman. Right. And, and that being, he's born from Anita. He's born from a woman who is in her courses and therefore polluted. Ridiculing that is a little harder because it's sort of baked into the, the premise of yes, he, he takes on our humanity, which he made. He enters into our frailty and our sinfulness and, that two people like Dawkins and you know Jews who don't recognize him as the Messiah is it, it, I mean it's it's mockable right it, it, I I don't want to say laughable risible because it's it's deeper than that it's it's like I think the mocking that you were describing at that atheist humanist uh, moment is deeper than that it's 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 the cackling. Right. Yeah. Right. You put an image of the chubby grinning Buddha, no one mocks. Right. 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 But you can mock, you can both mock both the incarnation, you know, birth from Mary, which Charlie Hebdo has, right? There's one of their covers is, is Jesus's birth. Um, and it's also, you know, life of Brian level of, of mocking the ridiculousness of seeing your savior in a, you know, condemned criminal. Yeah, another Jewish objection, and maybe not, and maybe it bans beyond the Jews at the time, but particularly the Jews who were waiting for a King David-style uh, anti-Roman Empire military victory-oriented Messiah. Right. Uh, the love of Jesus ended in abject failure. The the conquering king of Israel was um, spat upon and beaten and scourged and murdered outside the city gates in complete ignominy. How can that be God in the flesh? So our entire faith is founded on apparent failure and weakness. The strength of God from whose, you know, from whose fingers tumbled the entire cosmos, there he is breathing his last. How do you square that circle? Well, we can't, but he can. And that's why St. Paul can talk about his own weakness being the vessel of Christ's 
strength. But this is this. Is, I mean, this is our hurdle, right? And interesting, you square the circle because that we put that in Draco Alchemicus as the puzzle yeah. they're trying to solve, right? which is is the magician's first trick, right? In 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 Act One, where he's invited the audience to this ray into this rave, the pigeon creates smoke, and they they all start raving and he's he the chant they have is square the circle square the circle it's like take on this impossible transformation mm -hmm. right and it'll be done by magic and it'll be done by right. yeah magic rather than not faith mystery yeah right did you happen to read nico's cousin zakit's novel the uh the last temptation i have it i keep carrying it around well, the, <laughs> that counts right mark Martin is the Rolling Stones of directors, the most overrated director working today. Very confused, lapsed Catholic. Is I mean, cracked moral compass and 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 confused symbol system. Uh, so I didn't care at all for his his movie version starring Willem Dafoe, and a, an accidentally hilarious Harvey Keitel as Judas. However, the novel uh, presents a very uh, tantalizing idea and that is that on the cross as the crowd is jeering i mean this is in the gospel hey come down from the cross we'll believe right. that's his it's the temptation to just stop make the agony stop so that the father's plan can still happen without him having to get to the finish line of that terrible question mark of falling into what jesus having a human nature must have felt in a way like an abyss where he's going to fall into the abyss of nothingness i think of it and i know catholics will quick quickly say oh but he's he's quoting psalm 22 but when he says catholics the opening should line say of psalm, he's quoting psalm 21 you know that i yes yes no yeah we could let's talk about the johannine comma <laughs> Yeah, Psalm 21 or Psalm 22. I, I just talked in the Vulgate and the Septuagint. I don't know what you're doing with this King James numbering. My, uh, if the King James is King James English, if King James English was good enough for St. Paul, should be good enough for you. <laughs> uh, but That's a very credible he, accent. You must have lived here a while. He's in extremis. He's, he's feeling, he's not in despair, but he's feeling despair. See how we're mocking the most sacred and moment of history? Not, not play acting. I thought we were mocking linguistics, but <laughs> yeah, we're mocking the desire for proof, maybe. Yeah. Well, it's a permitted question for us mm. when we're suffering. Why have you abandoned me? Because you're still in relationship when you're asking that question. Right. He's not shaking his fist. He's not doubting. He's he never remains. Excuse me. He always remains God, even though his human nature um, is, you know, bodily. That's Hebrews ten, ten is the. G the body of Jesus is the instrument that the Father used to save us. So he doesn't stop being God. God died on the cross. It's a heresy to say that God did not die on the cross. However, we're talking about the human decision of a divine person. And that divine person acquired a human nature. So there, there's the hypostatic mystery right there. Um, and, but I think, I think uh, back to the Kazanzakis novel, I think that's a very interesting thought experiment. Um, and he takes off. I think it's a young child that says, oh, by the way, you can you can now come down. The father's pleased. You don't have to go all mm. the way. So and he lives this whole other uh, picture. Who used to do this? Uh, Eddie Izzard, the uh, British comedian, 
used to do these really funny flights of fancy going way off topic. Woody Allen did that. Stephen, Steve Martin did that as well. And in the novel, he lives his whole life. He falls in love with Mary Magdalene and they get married and have kids. And then he's wrenched back to that moment. He realizes this is all a temptation. Mm -hmm. This is Satan at the moments trying to do what he did mm -hmm. temple during the 40 days of fasting. So I don't think that's, uh, I don't think it's blasphemous. I think it's a really interesting fictional um, uh, what if. Right. About our See, my, my, I, one, I find all of this totally persuasive. So I'm trying to, I'm struggling with how to get people inside that understanding because the, the I mm -hmm. mean, they're, they're two big, they're two big difficulties. The, the claim that this is God, the incarnation. And then, I mean, I recognize that the, the, the description of the Trinity, the desire to understand the Trinity comes from the recognition that this is God and that he's in relationship with his, the father and the dove, the, our 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 pay, our mascot for the the mosaic arc of course <laughs> um mm -hmm. that the spirit works in all of this and um it's it's interesting to me that it's like back when we did the we did the intervention with owen and i was trying to talk first about storytelling which i thought would help but that it wasn't the really context for that because you need a little bit of time on storytelling. Um, but I've also, you know, thought a lot about the way Dorothy Sayers uses the image of the metaphor that what God, we know God is, is the maker. And so understanding the Trinity is understanding this process of making, right? It's, it's, it's the image that we have. We are made in his image and likeness because he made us. So anything we can understand is going to be a reflection of that, and you started with this. It's like it all flows from his fingers, right? It's 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 the and I love this. The medieval the medieval meditations are all full of God as artificer. I mean, I, I'm working right now on some texts that are explicitly about the art of describing Mary as an artifact. So either in poetry or in you know the exegesis of Scripture, where you're showing all of these different artifacts that God made, and therefore they are images of her because she's the greatest artifact that he made and and that the 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 understanding of god as creator is primary to then understanding all of these you know the sort of the mystery both of the the um trinity and of the incarnation it's god as maker and maybe i mean for me that's like how can how can you not see that as true and joyous and and it's always in the places where I I've said this in class, right? The students I will like, the things that I have faith in are the things that I want to be able to give a reason for, as you said in the in the verse. But they, they're often the things that are so deeply embedded in your heart that reasoning them out is it's it's like unpacking the poem. Can I think we a lot of the things a lot of things you're describing too are were, were in the medieval mind embedded in the culture itself. And so it didn't need as much explanation as it does today. Mm -hmm. Well, ironically, yeah, I mean, this is, I was giving the example of Honorius and his image of Mary as the synagogue, Mary's the wall for the synagogue. Mm -hmm. In the 12th century, there's a lot of Jews in both Northern France and in England who are asking questions of, of these writers. And so they are actually having to wrestle with it. Can we so that, 
the non-Christian population was, though? Or, or are you saying the Christian population had to wrestle with how to explain it? That, that the Christian population, we have, we have okay. treatises by some of the authors I've worked on who are trying to explain it. And it's clear, it's gotcha. like Anselm, when he's doing his Curdeus Homo, why did God become man? He's clearly trying to answer Jewish objections. Or um, Rupert mm -hmm. of Deutz, who's one of my co other commentators, he, he explicitly writes, you know, dialogues with Jews to, to say, how can we explain this? When and 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 it's it's interesting to for the it's it's the Jews that are the difficulty because we surely share with them the idea of the Creator. So then you're saying, well, the Creator can't enter into His creation. How can that? And that's what Tolkien was very interested in. It's like, how do you say that the Maker entered into His artifact? How do you wrap your mind around that? I'm happy. The thing is, I like that mystery of squaring the circle and wrapping uh, yeah. your mind around it, but not everybody enjoys it. <laughs> Rachel, can we talk about the, uh, for people who might not have known about the intervention in Owen, can you give the compressed version of that was, of what that was? Because I want to talk about something that, about the Trinity during that session. Okay. So we've actually, those long time um, um, passengers on the Mosaic Arc will know because um, Kiltz and I back in the spring did a, a whole episode on how, um, so Milo, he of Helen of Troy, um, had a show a, a couple years ago where um, he wanted to have Owen Benjamin, who's my fellow, everybody on Unauthorized, hi. Um, Owen, Owen and I sh are on the same video platform, right? So this is going to be there. Um, and those who are watching on YouTube, please subscribe to Unauthorized because then I, you know, can make more art. Um, and, mm -hmm. and Owen had been talking about the Trinity and how ridiculous he found it. And Milo, sensing drama, <laughs> yeah, in, invited Owen on to on his show to have a have a chat, but set it up so that you, Patrick, and I, and E. Michael Jones, our friend, were there to talk about the Trinity, right? And it was only an hour, so it was hardly a, a you know a, a, a twelve hour struggle session. <laughs> and and each and mm -hmm. each of us had you know maybe a few minutes. I mean, Milo brought us in about 20 minutes into the hour. So we only had 40 minutes total to talk through things. And, and each of us had, you know, some sort of starting position of saying how to think about the mystery, but I've been dissatisfied with it. Cause I of course wanted to go on and on and on and on and on and, you know, talk about stories and, and storytelling and the like, but it, it, it stuck with me because it, it, it does seem to be a good problem, right? How do you explain the mystery to someone for whom it just seems nonsensical. Um, and in, in the Mosaic Arc, Kiltz and I did an, uh, a discussion in, in the spring because this question recurs in our community right now, our unauthorized community. And um, there was some debate, which managed to mention everybody who was involved in the intervention, but me. <laughs> you can see me sort of like, there, there was a magician and... E. Michael Jones, I forget what they called him, and and Milo, and I'm sitting there going, was I there? Right? So now we have a kind of long-running joke in the Mosaic Arc that we're girls, and so they don't pay attention to us anyway. <laughs> you, you, were, you were a feminine AI bot. <laughs> Maybe. But, kind of real. But, but, but the, the, you know, what's interesting in the Gospels is it's often the women going, they have they need more wine, right? 
<laughs> it's yeah. it's in fact the the women who have gone to the tomb to to wash the body who find out that there's no body there. So we figure we in the mosaic arc have a, have a role in nudging. We nudge. We are mm-hmm. here to nudge. <laughs> As I'm doing to you now, yeah. right? To let's say, if we could have the longer conversation, what would we talk about? Where where would we go? And it seemed, you know, fair to give you a bit more airtime. Well, the Trinity is one of those. Uh, it's the big enchilada of of Christianity, but it's probably the the least personal of the of the dogmas mm. because it contains heaven and heavenly things and the reality of of three divine persons sharing in some mysterious way one divine nature the second person of which entered history and has both the human and divine nature people often people are already asleep so <laughs> i can eat some more wine <laughs> if people um either have bad or no formation or they've been wounded by some representative of the christian faith the trinity is almost offensive because it seems to it seems to be over mysteriifying something that sounds if you read let's say the gospel of mark it's so everything's almost uh i won't say dick and jane but it's very plain jesus did this he said this then he went to jerusalem they crucified him then he died it's very concrete visceral uh historical the trinity seems impossibly abstract right and during the mention i tried to get to uh frank sheed's very pithy four-part explanation of the trinity but even that if you're hostile i mean in the interest of, of accuracy, he called the Trinity gay as everything else is, is gay. So he has this animus that's not going to be solved by an intervention like that. It might not even be solved. No, yeah. it was not going to be All, solved by it. And without, and it was, but, but, we um, understood that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to something that, uh, and everyone watching, if you, if you love lean English prose with not one ounce of fat, um, get Frank Sheed's book. Well, one of two two books. One is a, a, a distillation of the longer work. The longer work is called Theology and Sanity. And the chapter in the Trinity has an, an anecdote by the great Frank Sheed, who uh, died in 1981. He was an Australian-Irish lay apologist of the 20th century in the Catholic Church. And this book, Theology and Sanity, lays out a really interesting um, framework in its title, and he explains that there's there are two kinds of insanity. There's the insanity where you see things that aren't there. It's insane. They're not there, but you see them. But then there's a much more common form of insanity. And that's the insanity of not seeing things that are there. Like angels. Mm. Like, like grace. Like the beatific vision. Like the power of the sacraments. That's another form of insanity. And in his chapter on the Trinity, he tells an anecdote about being at a talk and he's waiting to go on. And this woman comes up to him and says, well, Mr. Sheed, what are you, what are you talking about this evening? And he says, oh, I'm talking about the Blessed Trinity. And she kind of looked, looked at him like, oh, I hope this is not long. And he said, uh, what, like, how did you hear about this talk, madam? Like, why, why did you come here tonight? And she says, me bishop told me to. <laughs> he asked reader you know that she probably would have drunk a gallon of uh, cod liver oil if the bishop asked her to but the idea of of being bored by, by your final and eternal destination how did we get yeah. here that trinity's boring because it's it's uh, it's been depersonalized and i think accidentally depersonalized by employing 
um, images like the the shamrock, which is attributed to Saint uh, uh, Saint Patrick. I don't know if he actually employed the shamrock. Terrible pedagogical tool tool for the. If you want to misunderstand the Trinity, use the shamrock. A, no, I I like you. I've heard you reference that um, the little cartoon. Um, Patrick, oh Patrick, the yeah. the, the Luther, Lutheran, yeah, yeah they're Lutheran cartoons. Yeah, they're that was great. The Lutheran really? cartoons, where they're going through all of the mistaken analogies for the Trinity. That it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Modalism, is it Patrick? Yeah. Come on, Patrick. Yeah. I'm gonna stop. This. Yeah, hilarious. Yes, it's five minutes so. of telling you what the Trinity is not. <laughs> right. So we still need to tell people what the Trinity is, right? And that's and, well, and my my version, I always like Dorothy Sayers with the, you know, it's the it's the it's the 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 closest we can get is the mind of the maker, which is and it, she has this idea of the idea, the energy, and the power that there's an idea in your head, it's like that's like the father, right? But for creation to happen for things to come into being there has to be the energy which she says is like the sun and the incarnation and the passion and it's 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 work which you know the sun does and then once the thing is made and she's imagining it's the the analogy is of a book right everybody all these people that wander around going i have this great idea for a book it's like that's she says that's you know these are like they're different heresies if, if the person who was always saying well i have a book and she said the book doesn't exist if it's just an idea in your head you have to write it Right. So you have to put the like sweat and labor into it, become incarnate. But then once it's there, once the book exists, it has the, the spirit's ability to, you know, go out into the world and carry um, understanding. Yeah. And, I, you know, and maybe, I don't know whether that goes in the, the, the Patrick's bad analogies or not, but I like it. Well, I would only I would only gently correct Mrs. Sayers um, way. And that's because I'm. Uh, a very rank amateur student of Aristotle and, and Thomas Aquinas. Before the book is written, it does exist. It does exist in her mind as right. Jesus pre-existed before Mary said yes. So uh, mm -hmm. a thought is a metaphysical thing. It is. It's. Uh, it's a res. It is. It is a thing, but it's not manifest yet. It hasn't been um, given flesh, so to speak. But apart from that, it's. It's a. I think it's um, a homey analogy that that can help people. Um. I don't like to pick them apart too much. That one's better than than the shamrock, I will say. Um, I I don't even know. I'm not sure how this came to me. I, I don't even. I I doubt that I came up with it. But uh, when I was writing my book, the contraception deception, I have a chapter on the Blessed Trinity and contraception. Mm. Um, I don't remember if I bring this up, but let, let me let me start with the thing that that I was thinking about as you were talking, Rachel, and that is. Um, music. Most people, north of 99%, love music of whatever genre. And I like the image of the Trinity as a singer singing. The singer is like the father. And the son is like the song. They flow together. The son flows from the father. But the, it's not the father and the son alone. Because the existence of music as something you can experience in your heart through your ears is silence. And the Holy Spirit is like silence mm. that bears forth what is sung and the presence of the singer. That just came to me. I, I probably didn't, wasn't the first to come up with it, but that was my little um, homey um, analogy of the Trinity. And the other one that I came up with for my book is, is uh, marriage. I think marriage, the sacrament of matrimony, is the highest natural analog to the life of the Trinity. The husband instantiates the father. 
and the wife instantiates uh, the Holy Spirit. And together, the invisible love of husband for wife and the invisible love of wife for husband in the two in one flesh unity mystery, nine months later, literally becomes one flesh. Mm. And in the, in, the, in the child, the child is a mini incarnation. And then, of course, you can you can play with that analogy by by thinking of the child as the Holy Spirit, right? Who's who's breathed forth from the Father and the Son. So I think it works both ways. The more I like, I it, like the, the more... singer one better. I think the the mm-hmm. having because well, yeah. But the, uh, right, and the thing is, I find all of these I, like poetically useful, and so it's interesting when mm-hmm. people don't. So say, well, that's just, you know, this is the, the Lutheran joke, right, uh, in, the, in the cartoon characters, that all of the metaphors ultimately fail because there's mm-hmm. some, some way in which they're not, I mean, it's the three-in-one kind of thing. But it, it, it's not even, the, the, the yeah. numerical one, this is, in our intervention, the one that, that Mike came up with, I thought was the least convincing of the, the Pythagorean numer- numerology, which I did appreciate doesn't work in, sure. in quite the way that sure. he was hoping. Yeah. Has a mathematical term to it, but it's totally abstract. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Maybe that's, yeah. it's like, it's not, that's why I like Sayers because it's, 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 it's a, you know, a metaphor of our own experience mm-hmm. that is, I mean, what, what she's trying to point to is that we're drawn to be like the mind of the maker, right? There's like, we're drawn to art. And and that's obviously what we're trying to do in our in our poetry in our sense of praise. You praise through your own joy and want to participate in the beauty of the Creator. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe this is why the Song of Songs exists, right? The Song of Solomon, because you can only understand it poetically. Um, you, you're never going to understand it mathematically or philosophically, or mm-hmm. even you know pick a language linguistically anything it's it's mm-hmm. it can only be uh, the song analogy is very good yeah um you have you have the thought you have the the, the, the singer and then you have the sound pro- proceeding from the singer who had the thought to do that and mm-hmm. that's kind of like I, I imagine the song of songs is god is inspiring a man to write this down and, and as a way to understand god's relationship to his people it's not the mass of maths. It's the song of songs. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, but I yeah. think there, uh, there is a mathematical way of thinking about it, but it's not the Pythagorean number mm-hmm. series. Yeah, I'll defend my, I, I'm, I'm a math idiot. I've been very open about that with Rachel. <laughs> like real, real math anxiety. So I, I, I am very probably 100% wrong on that. Go on. <laughs> AC, you, you know, there are three kinds of people in the world. Rachel knows the three kinds of people there are in this world. Do you know what they are, Casey? No. Well, <laughs> in this world, those who are good at math, those who aren't. <laughs> Thank you. And? <laughs> I'm here. I'm here always. Patrick, Patrick proves his facility in dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got a million of them. Let's start now. Nine hours worth. Um, hey, it's not Thanksgiving yet, and you're on the Pacific yeah, Coast. Um, yeah, that's true. that's true. 
St. Augustine's De Trinitate comes pretty close to a pristine uh, linguistic way of pointing at the mystery of the Trinity. Mm. Uh, Frank Sheed in Theology San Insanity, I think, is the best English language description mm. of the Trinity. And I, when I'm talking about the Trinity, I like to keep it really, really simple and just describe it as it's the secret sauce behind the divine curtain. You're never going to figure it out, meaning when people say in catechetical circles, it's mystery, it's almost like, shut up, he suggested. Right, yeah. And that's what people like, are reacting yeah. to, that they don't like that. Yeah. Mystery argument as uh, as discussion stopper right. somehow. Uh, in this sense, is only a truth that's so profound that our micro brains are not able to um, to receive it. Like a thimble is will never receive an ocean, which is why we need eternity to chew on this forever and ever and ever. But right. but four steps. They're really easy. Uh, the, the God has one uh, one divine nature, and that one divine nature is shared by three divine persons. The Father is God, the Son of, is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. None of the other persons are God. The second person of the Holy Trinity um, had two natures, human and divine. That's the Trinity. That's a structural, compressed description of it. Mm -hmm. But I think... I think because it's absolutely bereft of emotion, people find it hard to warm up to. There's nothing fuzzy about it, as there is about gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Um, all the other stories of, of the Bible itself are concrete. They're historical. There's the flesh and blood. They involve people and drama and life and birth and death. But the Trinity, by definition, is metaphysical. Mm -hmm. I just think we should just let mystery be mystery and, and kind of gently move on. And our Lord is a teacher. He loves to be sought and and have questions asked and i think i think teachers of the faith are wise to just let the holy spirit be the teacher uh, bishop sheen used to say to the holy spirit you convert them i'll instruct them <laughs> well i actually like so thinking I, about it as a as a mystery but mm -hmm. i like thinking about it as as art which i've, I've said a lot right and um mm -hmm. therefore it's it's sort of a practice right theology is a practice yeah. Yeah. One of one of the, the the movie Contact, which I didn't like at all. I don't think it has got a great message, but it had a brilliant scene in it um, towards the end when um, when Jodie Foster is seeing this foreign, you know, alien place for the first time, and it's so beautiful, and she can't describe it. And the only thing she can say is, "They should have sent a poet." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she can't think they should have sent a poet. I can't describe mm -hmm. this. She spent all her life studying science and astronomy, and it was useless to her. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Everything she'd seen up until that point was like straw. Mm. Right, exactly. Right. right. Well, and the sending uh, of the poet is that, that we're working on this. I mean, what's, what I did at the beginning of our discussion tonight when I'm saying, what's the mosaic arc and how do we think about, it's like, what is it, our title? And it's it's always all of these embedded layer so that the mosaic of the the mosaic of the mosaic arc is simultaneously the 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 thing with picture with from different pieces and it's the moses and it's also the the figural pointing to mary all at the same time which is not an image of the trinity that's not what i'm thinking that is but that poetry trains us to look for as in story these reincorporations and fulfillments that are I I mean as a storyteller I say that's how we experience 
the sense of meaning. It's and, and certainly as a historian, right? You you set up all these. You set up this 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 story. What matters about history is always people saying, "Aha, that's how." Right? And if you can say why, then you're in really good shape. But you know, how did we get to this point where X, Y, or Z happened? And and the satisfaction comes in in, in that sense of well, assembling the pieces, but then in having the thing that you didn't realize mattered come back in and matter. So I just, I, I mean, God mm-hmm. with the incarnation is, is entering into that process for us. <clears throat> was it Augustine who said the bird that built the nest was hatched therein? Hmm. Well, this is, this is what all of the medieval meditations on, well, the ones I'm working, the, the major medieval meditations on Mary are constantly that, that she is the, the, you know, the container of he who could not be contained. So she's the ark that God designed for himself to dwell in. I, I do remember something Augustine said was, um, you've probably heard this before. This is something you you need to chew on it and maybe hear it more than once. Him, it's about Our Lady. Him whom the heavens cannot contain, the womb of one woman bore. She ruled our ruler. She carried him in whom we are. She gave milk to our bread. Him whom the heavens cannot contain, the womb of one woman bore. Astounding. Yeah. Yeah. She she carried him. She carried him in whom we are. You know, um, she gave milk to our bread. It's just, just such so much lightning in that bottle. Mm-hmm. And for, uh, there's a, I, I don't know if you guys are on X, formerly known as Twitter, or, or maybe you have a I am. The whole I got, I got Casey on there, so of, she publishes poems on there. Of, <laughs> well, there's a whole new raft of, of really kind of snotty Protestant geniuses with seven followers that just joined last week. It's almost <laughs> like they're... I, it, was, what, it, was, it was after All Saints Day, wasn't wow. it? Wow. I don't, I don't, uh, and, and with all charity... No, but they, they, they have this sneering way of getting across objections that Catholics have heard 10,000 mm, times. Mm, yeah. And they they I, sought I you O'Neary. out, Patrick. I, them and uh, Asian porn bots. <laughs> I really liked your post. I got, no, that, those, the Asian porn bots send you DMs, right? Yes, some, some, yeah, some do. I, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, they, um, they, sent, they, they, yeah. they try to contact me too, so I'm not sure they're, they're selective. That's selective. <laughs> oh, no, I'm special to them, Rachel. Excuse me. I'm special to them. Be- no, I know I'm special on Facebook with all of the widowed, you know, the, the widowed fathers who have military service who definitely want to friend me. <laughs> oh, I, I, don't people, tell me you get people, those. I want them people. only for myself. <laughs> it's a gift. You, you can have them. You can have them. But the idea that, that the objection that Mary was just a nice lady or, or worse, a sinner that God happened to use, just put her on the cell. Oh, yeah. they, their vision of the incarnation much. is that our Lord and Savior appeared on the on the banks of the Jordan at the age of 30 uh, by Star Trek teleport, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Hollywood no, entrance. Blastocyst, zygote, then fetus, the way everybody else did. And, uh, you know, denigrating the woman who gave the word flesh 
be the eternal God. It just blows my mind how, how little people think through their own objections. They don't. And if you love Christ, you love his mother. You don't dismiss his mother and just mm-hmm. shoo her away, which I literally saw somebody do this when referring to her once. Right. It's, a, that's, you, that's, that's, it's not a lot of love. Is that possible to love Mary more than Jesus? No. But but the, in, in my meditations, it's always, it's misunderstanding the creation that then it that then devolves into this. So, well, like Mary can't be important. It's like, it, it's back with our, our sense of time and how looking back, we suddenly realize how all the pieces were all there all along. But God can see mm-hmm. that always. My, one of my mentors is Peter Kreeft. I'm looking, I'm reaching for something here. Uh, he has not one, but two books on heaven. And uh, he's talking about the mystery of time. And he used, he imagined, so this is a chord, of course. Now, most people think of time, uh, of God's foreknowledge of events before they happen, without, mm-hmm. without um, undermining human freedom. We think of time as, uh, if I can do this. Before, middle, you know, before, during, after, mm-hmm. past, future. So we're on this continuum. And well, my gosh, if God can 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 know what's going to happen further down the line, then he's he's causing it. Therefore, human freedom is just a mystery. Is just a, an illusion. Right. God is a benign bank manager who's actually a tyrant because we don't have any free choice because God foreknows. And Crave says, now turn it around. This is how God sees. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> all of it down a long time so our god can foreknow things not because they happen in god's mind before they happen but because god god is the the source of the eternal now it yeah. it doesn't mean that that your choice is forced just because god knows you're going to do it any more than a, a professor if history oh i don't know somewhere in chicago has magical powers or or forces a student to fail because the professor can see all these failures through the through the semester means failure. Right. The student's choice to fail be, might be foreknown by the professor, but the professor doesn't cause the failure. You see that? See what I'm saying? Yeah. Does the professor cause the good work? <laughs> <laughs> we hope education works. Yes. <laughs> cause of all good work, but but the cause of bad work that would be actually somewhere. that's good that that's actually part of the, so god uh, helps us do good work but not causes us to fail that that works yeah correct yeah you could mm-hmm. do a parody uh, or like a send-up of the uh, write that out in the way thomas writes the summa that would be funny well so in in unauthorized world um vox day our our supreme dark lord actually wrote a book called he called summa helvetica which was taking Thomas's proof on the 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 nature of angels and applying it to elves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the name. I haven't read it, but I just absolutely love that name. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so so we're in the right territory for that kind of that kind of uh, demonst- logical demonstration. Yes. Okay. There's body body words in it, but I would point out philosophy, bro. Philosophybro.com has uh, a whole bunch of different philosophical works, but it's written in like Jim bro language. <laughs> That's funny. It, it would work. That's I think good. Richard Vey is explaining the five proofs. 
Very funny. By the way, if Richie's, Ricky's watching, I have a 2,000-word uh, essay invitation to Ricky Gervais to come on my podcast. Uh, I think he's an absolute genius. I love hilarious. Gervais. And not just the obvious, all the 2020, you know, the epic rant monologue at the Golden Globes. Uh, I've been watching him. My first introduction was The Office, the original yeah. series from the BBC. Yes. And then I've watched everything else that he's done. And uh, my premise is that he doesn't really, he's not really committed to his own atheism. Mm. I think he lost faith at the age of eight. And I think uh, nice. the key yeah. is, is to watch Derek, the series in which he plays kind of a short bus vaguely handicapped man and his latest show called afterlife mm. um so my invitation is called afterlife and the coming conversion of ricky gervais uh, and i don't know why i'm saying this but i think ricky gervais return to the church is going to do with another emmy winner and that's bishop sheen mm. Mm, I interesting think i could go on and on about why i think ricky gervais is just a top flight I think he's a good example of what I've called insider outsiders. Mm. He's outside the church, but he, he has this strong sense of where true north is, as mm -hmm. does uh, a friend in his own way, Jordan Peterson in, in his own way. Uh, people outside the fold, and yet there's this kind of binary true, false, right, wrong thing that they, they, they're onto. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so there it is. But look, we have one more movie that he did. <laughs> Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Casey. Oh, no, I, I can't remember. I, I can't remember the name of it. It's this wonderful movie that he did with um, Taylor Leone about 15 years ago, where um, he, um, he, he, I think he had a near death experience and he could see dead people and talk to them. So it was a little bit like the Shyamalan uh, movie, but it was, it, it was a comedy. Ghost? What was that? Ghost Town? Yeah, I think that was it. I think that was it. Mm -hmm. But it had such a beautiful message in it because um, he, at, towards the end of the movie, he 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 was a terrible, miserable person, and all these ghosts are talking to them. And it turns out that the ghost that he was talking to, he actually did have a connection with them. He knew them in life, and he ended up helping them um, afterwards. Why they were still sticking around? Like he he kind of figured it out that he just needed to not be a jerk, <laughs> and he was helping these people. It was such a sweet movie. Well, there you go. You know, and same with uh, same with Afterlife. Same with well, Afterlife is, is certainly his most serious drama. But why does it? Why does he learn not to be a jerk, like Bill, like Bill Murray did in Groundhog Day? Well, it was love. A, a bigger, a bigger jerk, not no jerk. Yeah. If, if there's no God, if at the end of your life there's no judge to whom you have any kind of accountability, then why is not being a jerk, being a kind, loving person, superior to being a jerk. Mm. Well, on what grounds do you use words like right and mm -hmm. wrong? Those are right. those are material categories. Speaking speaking but, of but material no. categories, we have a super chat. So sleep deprived bear, who's probably having to stay up very late for this stream, says, "Thank you for the stream. You're very welcome. We're happy to be here." <laughs> oh, good! Another trick! Another trick! Effect. Not trick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there is tricks. This is freeze. What? Okay. So wait. What? What's frozen? <laughs> you holding still now? No, I'm it's not. This is fun. I got you. Um, I want 
I want you guys to, to help me on this. So I've, I've acquired a little skill, and it, it works with any kind of cards anywhere in the world. There's so many different kinds of card manufacturers. And this is why people, for some reason, don't want to play cards with me. But <laughs> I, I, look honest, I can cut into the deck four times and come up with four of a kind. I'll show you how it works. All right, this is cut number one. Just the deck's kind of new, so they're slippery there. Cut there. Here is uh, cut number two. Whoops. There. Can you see them all there? Mm -hmm. Now, the last one, I can't prove this, but I'm actually going to do it while blindfolded. Uh, not blindfolded, but my eyes are going to be closed. I don't really have a lot of... Nah, I'm not sure about that. Hmm. Dang. <laughs> Whoa. Nice. Okay. Rachel, I'm going to start here. I want you to say, you're going to find that last ace. Okay. Very quick. You're going to find the finder ace, all right? So I'm, I really will try to stop where you stop me, okay? Okay. But don't let me get to all the way to the end. You ready? Okay. Starting now. Stop. No, you, okay, there. Do you want that one or the one next to it? The one next to it. This, this one yep. here? Yep. Okay, I'm turning it face up. Six. Wonderful. Fell down to six. That was a free choice. I really tried to stop you exactly where that was. Okay. I, X. Why is it I, X? <laughs> S I X. Oh, S I X. I thought you were. I thought you were making Roman numerals on us. Yeah. Okay. Oh no no no. Yes, V V X I I yeah. I L C. <laughs> v I. That would only been two cards. <laughs> uh, you guys are not colorblind, right? You know your colors. Yes. Red, right? Yep. Uh, Casey, let me let me let me pick on you. What color is that? Black or red? Black. What's the suit? Clubs. Clubs, right? Okay, so the ace of clubs right there. How about this? Also black? Yes. What's the suit? Spades. I'll go really slow. I'm going to put the spade on top of the club and snap my fingers. You probably didn't see it, but they've changed places. Now the spade's on the bottom. No, I knew you wouldn't believe me. When I snap my fingers again, they changed back to the way they were. It's crazy. It's very subtle. Very subtle. <laughs> the really, really hard part is actually getting them over here. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Very good. Thank you. Again. Those are tricks. No, wait. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you said I needed my own deck. 
Oh, you want to? You want? You, we're gonna go there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, this is based on uh, on the the ability to to detect liars. Um, Who rang that bell? That's my dog Scout. So he... <laughs> Do it again. It's like you rang ability to detect liars. Bing. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's uh his potty indicator i can probably walk with you as i take him out but uh, we'll we'll get through this uh Rachel, <laughs> I, 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 I think i think it will we'll let you'll let the dog have you after 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 the two hours are up okay no i don't want to see them but shuffle the deck oh, shuffle them okay i don't have i don't have a nice little uh mat okay. like he does obviously cut the deck is i can't possibly know the order of the cards right i Pretty much impossible, I, I would say. Okay. okay. Uh, all right, Rich, take a batch of cards. I don't want to see the deck because people are going to think I have an advantage. Don't show. Don't put the deck back up in the in the frame. Okay. Uh, uh, take a bunch off. Take nine cards from wherever you want. Could be the top or the bottom. Just take nine away from the from the from the deck and leave the deck. The rest of the deck um, apart. I've lost count, just saying. Okay. I have a I have a bunch I've got a bunch of nine and I've got the rest of the cards. Put the rest of the cards away. You're only gonna need that small packet. Cards away. Good. And give that packet a little shuffle too. Okay. All of now, this relies the on them thinking I'm not lying. You realize? Yeah, that's true. But they trust you, not me, because I, I, I'm an. <laughs> you think they trust me? I'm a, Everybody, I'm put your hand buyer. up. Do you trust me? I Casey, where's your hand? There you go. Okay. <laughs> so, hold, hold the cards like a poker hand with all the faces toward you. Now, I can see that. It doesn't matter because I can't see the faces. But you're holding the, all the cards, right? Like this. Perfect. I want you to mentally think of one of the cards. Let's say, I don't know, the the third from the left. Think, pick that card. Don't don't pick it out, but just look at it and think it. Is that my left? <laughs> That's the okay. Left. Third card mm -hmm. in. Only think of that card. You remember? Have you memorized mm -hmm. it? Okay. Gather the packet up and hold it like this. This is called. Mechanics position or dealer's position, right? Are you right-handed? Mm -hmm. Okay, down where I can't see it. Now we're going to shuffle the deck in a kind of a stylized way, and it's going to be according to what that card is. So let's say the card is the Ace of Spades. I'll show you how to do it. Just watch how I do this. A C E Ace. Put the pack on top. O F. S P A D E S. So if you if the card is let's say the two of diamonds, T W O bonk, O F bonk. And you spell them out. You say spell it. M O N S. That's that's the way I want you to shuffle the packet. You understand? Okay. So start with the value, which is Ace through King, I, and I don't know what that right, is. Right, but they're words, not not numbers. It's not numbers. Right. So. S-E-V-E-N, and then place the rest of the packet on top of 
what is the seven? You're you're you're, you're assuming I can spell after all of this all, after all this conversation. Correct. That's my assumption. Okay. All right. Uh, to, to, to count them out and then put them back in and do it again. Count count the number out and then place the rest of the packet on top of the counted word that okay. you just counted. And then lift the whole thing up again and do the word of, which is Got two that. cards. O F. Good. Lift it up again and do the suit. Hearts, clubs, spades, or diamonds. Okay. Okay, now you're holding the packet, mm -hmm. right? I want you to do this. I want you to read them off. So, in my case, seven of, of um, hearts, whatever the next thing is, until you get to the end. When you come to the card you're thinking of, Whatever you do, don't let on that this is the card you're thinking of. So just go totally. Okay, poker so now face. it's it's just I'm, just read the read out what they I can like what if I do a giddy face because then you can't tell. Well, if you did do a giddy face on all of them, I'm I'm not it's probably gonna throw me off. But just Okay, so you need in me other to words, be not silly. Names of these cards, just put on don't don't give away the card you're thinking of as you say it. And I'm going to still try to ha hack into your mind and tell you what card you're thinking of at the end. So start with the top card from top to bottom. Read through the list now. Go. Okay, you guys realize you're going to try really hard here. Okay. I, I can do this. <clears throat> Queen of Spades. Two of Diamonds. Eight of Spades. Oh, should I be showing them to the camera so they can see it? Sure. Doesn't matter. Jack of spades. Five of diamonds. Nine of spades. Jack of hearts. Eight of hearts. Four of hearts. You're thinking the nine of diamonds. Nope. Five? Yes. Did I say nine? Mm -hmm. In the middle somewhere? What? I said yes. It was a five of diamonds. Five of diamonds. No nine of diamonds there, right? I think I miscalled it. Diamonds. Yeah. Thank you. Tip your waitress. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> There was no nine yeah, was... of diamonds. What? There, there was no nine of diamonds. So when you. Right. Yeah, I was thinking five, but it was the five of diamonds. You're right. Right. So you said the nine. There wasn't a nine. There was five. No, there wasn't a nine. It was a five. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever saying thinking one thing but saying another? Yeah, that's it. I rattled him. He said the wrong thing. However, there was. <laughs> There was no nine. There was, of, there was no nine of diamonds, so he couldn't have heard me say that. You mean there's no luck would have it? There's no nine of, nine of diamonds in that particular deck. No, there's no nine. Of, yeah, there's no nine of diamonds here. So that was not the card that I could have been thinking of because there wasn't one. Yeah, what I what I did there is I got a twofer. I got the five of diamonds, but I first named the only card that's not in that deck. Well, yeah, of many cards that are not in that deck, but that one's not in there. How many cards are missing from the deck you used from my magic trick, Dr. Brown? Well, you told me to put these over here. 
Oh, okay. I thought you were holding up the whole the whole uh, no. 52. This is nine. Is that an old new deck? Um, I don't know. I found it in a drawer. <laughs> nine. That's Wait, now am I going to find good. the nine of diamonds on top here? No, that was a queen of queen of clubs. <laughs> that, that would be good. That would have been good. I'm going to play. Just, the next thing I'm going to do is play poker with Patrick and beat him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have poker, Dean. Yeah. Poker, poker is uh, poker's tricky. I, I find a lot of people can get really lucky at poker and win a lot of money just from kind of stumbling into, you know, stumbling into logic. Here, tell you what. This is this is like a show closer. Okay. I like this. I like this card a lot. This trick a lot. Uh, and you'll see why it's a closer. All right, so this is this is fun. I really will try to stop where Casey tells me to stop. Perfect, Casey. I'm waiting to say the word stop. All right. Oh, okay. Uh huh. Stop. Right there. Uh huh. No, I'm not. I'm actually not looking, but I will show the camera. See that? Mm -hmm. you, you can all see it, yeah? Yes. Okay. Now, I think I can do this well, and I think you're going to really, really like it. I think just like before, I think I've got the card to the top. Was that it? Nope. It was not the ten of diamonds. Mm, no. Nope. All right. I think what happened was uh, I didn't say the magic word. And I, Dr. Brown, could you help me with the magic word? I want you to repeat after me. R. R. Bada. Bada. Carba. Carba. That's abracadabra backwards. <laughs> Woo it worked. <laughs> now, this is actually the, the climax is this. Casey, you can help with this. Say three, two, one. Three, two, one. <laughs> wow. Very nice. Very nice. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> yeah. Can I <laughs> Rachel, you need a stadium applause fake sound. You awesome. know how hard I worked on my on my my uh, tech setup so that it doesn't have extra sound in the background. You you can hear oh, nice. you can you can hear the in the back of my Tolkien videos because I didn't know how to do that. Ah, uh, cool. Got you. Sounds good. I now I I I so guys I am freaking out about how he knew which card that was. I'm thinking five and nine have the same number of letters in the in the number five nine. No, I was. Th this this is very easy for me to say. I was thinking five. Don't know why I said nine. Maybe it's it's an on camera problem. Yeah, I I sometimes I I go back and I listen to myself on the streams. Yes, I do that as, as sometimes, and I'm like, I know I didn't say that, and it's there, right? It's recorded, and you've definitely said the wrong thing. Oh yeah, people. This is why it's strange that our whole justice system is based on one of the least reliable uh, methods of memory and that's human memory 
people people hear what they want to hear. Yeah. Um, I remember a anecdote from uh, live radio days. A guest was insulting another guest that I had previously interviewed, and he said everything about the guest that he was a physicist and with this and he was fraudulent and we we're like trying to get him knocked off his own stupid talking points. It's very unprofessional to to attack another guest when they're not there to defend themselves. Then at the break, I said in, in the microphone with the sound muted to the guest, I told the sound engineer, can you believe he mentioned the name? He goes, no, I'll, I'll delete it. So when, when the show, it was live radio, so we couldn't, we couldn't, it was too late to dump it, but we could edit it for the archives. And we listened to that, waiting to hear the name, waiting to hear the name. Mm. He never named. I would pass a lie detector that yeah. he did. He didn't. Yeah, brain filled it in. So the missing yeah. information. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about Marshall McLuhan. Can we wrote Marshall McLuhan in here? Because you mentioned him earlier. Yes. I had the unmerited grace of interviewing his son, Eric, who co-wrote The Laws of Media with him and was sort of the baton holder, keeping his father's legacy moving forward. Uh, he dropped dead, sadly, about four years ago in Colombia oh. after giving a talk. So, Eric, may he rest in peace. And um, I, I became very interested in Marshall McLuhan when I was in Toronto. And uh, I never visited, you know, any of the, any of the lore hotspots where or kind of his hangout spots. But I did devour a lot of his books. Maybe... I was a little young to understand what he was getting at. I, the first book I read was The Mechanical Bride from 1954. But his other book, The Gutenberg Galaxy, which was published in 1962, he essentially predicts the internet. Yeah. This, uh, you know, global uh, electric connectivity reality that didn't quite exist yet. And this is where the term global village comes from, which was only possible because of the internet. And... Of course, the, his famous phrase, the medium is the message, has so much incarnational resonance to it. Uh, it applies to font design. Think about the, mm -hmm. the meaning of a font shape. People don't think about it, but it's actually, it's a profound thing, the shape of letters and what they, what they signify. Uh, Roman letters engraved, you know, like on the Parthenon or something. There's an, an inherent dignity and severity to, to certain fonts that make them fitting for certain messaging. Likewise, you know, uh, comic sans, so beloved by six-year-olds and grandmas everywhere. Look at that, yeah. Our absolutely beautiful graphic design of Draco Chemicus. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, and and that was nice. is critical. That It's, it's not yeah. just the picture, it's also the lettering. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure, beautiful. Um, McLuhan studied at Cambridge. Uh, he studied uh, a guy called I.A. Richards and another another scholar named Harold Innes and Chaucer. I think his dissertation might have been on Chaucer. No. But wasn't it, was it on Chaucer? No, no it was on um, Thomas Paine? No. No. Was it? Um, who was Mark? He, so okay. he... Can you, it, can you draw the other foot? Who, who was who? What was his dissertation? I forget. Now I'm forgetting who the 16th century guy is. But he, what it, it in effect is, is a study of the trivium, of the the grammar, rhetoric, and logic, and the way it develops um, over the centuries, right. so that he can get to the 16th century and explain that the the great battle that's going on apparently between these different writers, and I am blanking on who's who the topic was. It wasn't Chaucer. Um, is this ongoing battle between 
basically the grammarians and the dialecticians, the the poet, the poets, mm -hmm. and the logicians. Just utterly topical to what I'm we've been fine. talking about. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Well, yeah. McLuhan's, uh, McLuhan went to a talk by a guy called Chesterton, became very interested in Chesterton, wrote in the Dalhousie Review his uh, his first publication, mm. which was on Chesterton, published in my hometown of Halifax. That's why I know it. And um, uh, Pope Paul VI appointed him to a, I think, I don't know if it's if it's a defunct dicastery now or not, but it was called the uh, the the Dicastria for Social Communications. And um, he served that in the early mm. 70s. And I think Paul VI was a student of Marshall McLuhan. If you look at Evangelii Nunciandi, the Apostolic Exhortation from 1975, he, uh, in, I don't know why I remember this, it's number 22, uh, Paul VI talks about, uh, it's, it's actually a better written papal document than Humana Vitae is, Evangelii Nunciandi. And he talks about teachers of the faith, and he says that teachers, teachers are only credible to audiences if they're also witnesses. And I think that is, that is the medium. The medium is the message incarnate right there. Um, do you do you believe your own thing? Is it just above the neck talking, or are you a witness to the truth of it? How much will you put yourself out to convey this truth? How much are you willing to suffer for it? And I think I think he got that from Marshall McLuhan's writings that the medium is the message. And McLuhan taught that uh, he was a Daily Massacre, by the way. Uh, he became a Catholic in nineteen late thirties, I think, and died New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty. He went to mass every day. Hmm. Um, he said only in the case of Jesus Christ is the medium the message. They are united only in that one case. Else is a reflection of that incarnational. Um, reality of the, of the uh, the medium is the message. You know, the, no one has seen the Father but but me. Jesus manifests the Father, literally, physically, sacramentally, and historically. And McLuhan, boy, he has so many so many isms. He's just a really fascinating Catholic thinker. Um, he he had a, a cameo in Woody Allen's Annie Hall. He was featured on Laugh-In. He was really oh. a house. Most people don't know who he is today. Um, in some ways, the other Torontonian, Jordan Peterson, has kind of supplanted him in the fame department. But really, quite quite a scholar. McLuhan's a better medievalist. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes I just want, really... I want to end there. That was beautiful, Patrick. That's, that's, that's the, the perfect... Yeah, cool. It is. The perfect... Um, testimony to what we're trying to model, witness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. preach. Um, very good. By our parents, Gordon, I recommend to people. It's called Escape into Understanding. Mm. Yeah. His PhD was in English. It's coming. It's coming. I, I, I'm going to let you figure this out. Yeah. I You're can't. looking it up. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to say it's the the pamphleteer Thomas Paine. I don't know why I'm thinking that. It, but it, I, I go it, it's life not being though, wrong. and it's yeah, it's it's someone I don't know. Nash, Nash. It's Thomas Nash. Nash, Thomas Nash. Very good. I was that Thomas Paine. 
and John Nash, a beautiful mind, starring Russell Crowe, screenplay by Akiva. We're Goldstein. just going to have to stop. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Javier Millet chainsaw and shut up. <laughs> no, it's Patrick. You get to come back. We we you pass the you, you pass the test that we will desperate definitely drag you back onto our arc. <laughs> this is a great Freudian slip. When we're desperate, I mean we desperately we we. we, we... <laughs> hey, we'll we'll drag you. We'll maybe drag you back on when we're desperate too, because you get you you were the only one who was able to teach me how to write that blurb. So. Good. Well, my existence is somewhat justified. Can I ask you yes. one question before you leave? No, I'm sorry. Okay, they we're done. Well, Thanks a lot. Bye. I <laughs> permit <Yes>. it. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's a hard one, I'll just hand it off to Professor Brown. Well, it's like it's an easy. I think it's probably the easy one. Is there is there any particular magician working today that you that you really like? Who shows you really like and you watch or you would recommend? Oh no, that's like which of my children do I love the most? No. Oh. Um. Uh, Darren Brown is probably my favorite mentalist. He's the English phenom. Um, okay. There is a, uh, a Spanish magician named Dani, uh, Dani Daortis, D-A-N-I. Uh, just Google Danny, D-A-N-I, Penn and Teller. Okay. He's a student of a, a famous uh, Spanish um, magician. And watch him with close-up, using an ordinary deck of cards, Penn and Teller, Donnie Osmond, and whoever the female hostess of Fool Us is. If magic's real, it would look like what he does. <laughs> Magicians cannot reverse engineer what he does with a single deck of cards. So Danny D'Artis is just so, so great. Yeah, um, fascinating. I, I'm kind of old school, Lance Burton. You know you're good when the Monte Carlo Hotel gives you the name of your own theater, the Lance Burton. Uh, mm -hmm. He's got a very homey a Kentucky personality, but he's, he's very, very, very good. I don't like television magicians like Chris Angel and David Blaine. I don't trust TV magic because yeah. it's so subject to post-production editing and they use audience members as stooges. To me, that's not magic. So I, I, I've never liked that. Um, I'll give you one more. Uh, he does live shows, although he's also on television. He's uh, uh, Japanese. His name is Cyril. Just look up Cyril. Uh, really mind-bending things. Uh, so I, I can do, maybe I can do it. Maybe I'll just lure myself back in. Um, I have learned how to, and this is very fun to do. Uh, I can't do it now because it's, it would take too much prep. But I take a borrowed, everything's borrowed. So a borrowed quarter, a nickel would also work. A Sharpie, where the spectator's name is signature initialed on both sides of the coin. And a borrowed can of Coke or Pepsi. And I, I can slam the quarter through the metal of the borrowed can. And and glug glug glug, it's in there. You can chick 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 and like cut it in half with metal sears scissors. That's great. And so that's cool. I, when I first began in, uh, to perform magic, when I was learning effects, I wanted to really only study and and perfect effects that the audience could never figure out. But 
when I when I got better at it and when I began to look look at the masters and learn from them, uh, my standards different now. I, I now I just want to do things where people go uh, that actually can't be done, and the, oh. the that can is one of them. Mm. I think because everything's I like magic involving ordinary everyday things. I think it's more magical than some glitter bomb thing or you know an F sixteen vanishing. <laughs> you know, related to that. That actually reminds me of a, a, a slight follow-up question here. So you mentioned uh, Chris Angel, um, so it was Mind Freak, right? Yeah. And uh, is there any kind of, and I immediately thought of him because this makes me think of that, is there any kind of uh, performance that you've seen that is just really off-putting, like you thought it was maybe just verging too much into something that looked demonic and that was something you uh, wouldn't like? Now we continue into our third hour. <laughs> You know, uh, it's a very short answer. No, uh, the, I've never seen anything creepy on television that I either didn't know the mechanics of or, or couldn't find out how to do it. Mm. But there is a genre of magic I stay away from, and that is seances. And mm. I, I never play with, uh, there's some, I could design a mentalism effect that involves the deceased of someone in the audience. Mm. I don't want to do that. That's necromancy. Yeah, One step removed. I don't do that. Nothing to do with seances. I don't want any part of it. Even if it's a shtick for magic and entertainment, I stay far away from that. I think mm-hmm. it's I think expensive and can scandalize people and, and bother them. Yeah, so. it's scandalize, scandalizing. And also, you don't know what what's hanging around that you can't see that you might not yeah, like. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So um, people want to go to hopeisfuel.com and, and watch Dr. Rachel Fulton Brown's magnificent session with me on the Blessed Mother. Um, we all need hope, and that, that seems to be leaving the room more and more each day. So hope.com, it's a, a big, fat Thanksgiving sale, and we'd love to extend it to people who, who visit there. So thank you for the invite. <laughs> thank you for uh, coming on. I'm, thank, you for, thank you for playing yeah. with us. It's, it it yes, means a fun. lot. Yeah. All right. Good to meet you, Casey. Thanks. Nice thanks. To too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play our outro. Don't leave yet. <laughs> okay. No. Good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Did I read all the super chats? Yes, I did. All right. Night, everyone.